Welcome to From Nothing to Profit, a photographer's podcast with Matt and Kaya, where each week they talk to photographers about what is working in their business now so you can swipe those ideas and grow your business faster. Welcome everyone to From Nothing to Profit. We're so excited to be back with you in 2021. Today we are interviewing Matt. Uh, We've already done my interview, ladies first, I guess. And so we're interviewing Matt Hoagland and Matt is going to be telling us about what's what happened with 2020 for him and his studio. I think you've got a lot of good things to share with us today, Matt, don't you? Yeah, just crazy, crazy stuff. And um, our podcast listeners are some of the first to hear minus, you know, some local people for sure. Cause there's been, um, major changes in mine and Allison's life all for the better. Um, and I'll try not to go too far back and drag on the whole story, but a lot oh, of changes. I like, oh, drag away, drag away. Okay. Yes. So I guess I'll just jump in if that's, if that's all right. So yes, yes. Tell I, us what happened this year. Tell, tell us your 2020 uh, excitement. Okay. So I basically switched careers, which everybody probably, you know, I want to pretend like everybody's gasping, but it's not that big of a deal. But I I switched gears, but with photographers in mind. So it's super interesting. So here's what happened before COVID even happened. Like at the end of 2019, um, I had met with my investment advisor um, that does all my investments and retirement and stuff like that for me. And I said, I knew he had switched uh, from oil and gas into that, like, 20 some years ago. I don't know exactly when, but he'd been in it for a long time. And I was kind of thinking about a career change a little bit because we'd grown our studio to a certain point. We had employees, it was running really smoothly. And I knew that I was kind of just getting in the way. Like I was like just making everybody's jobs harder because I was kind of bored and coming like, I just, you know, I was like, well, why don't we do this? And then I was distracting them from like the core stuff that they did every day. So like when I would disappear for like weeks at a time, whether I was like out fishing or doing something like that, like the studio would actually do a little bit better. And like, this has happened more than one year. I think it happened in 2015. And I think it happened again in 2018 where I kind of took a step back and like, we actually did better. And so I knew I was part of a problem, which is a hard thing to admit, but I was definitely not helping in all avenues. So you were like creating busy work, that type of thing. Yeah, I was exactly. I was creating busy work for people. Um, And so I would ask him about career changes and he basically said like, Hey, if you're interested in becoming an investment advisor representative, you know, let's talk. And I was like, okay. And this was like at a networking meeting. So then a couple of weeks later we had lunch and he said, Hey, if you're really interested, let's talk about this because he's like, I want to retire in the next five to 10 years. And I think, you know, we've, we'd worked together for seven years at that point. And he was like, you know, this could be a really good fit if this is something you're interested in. And I was like, okay. So we put together a list of all the stuff I had to do. I had to go, you know, take my series 65 exam to become an investment advisor representative and, you know, some stuff like that and get all that together. And I thought it was going to take me all of 2020 to do. And then 2021, I would be able to kick it off. Well, I mean, the pandemic happened and everything got shut down. And I literally sat on my couch for like six weeks and just studied and studied and studied. And it was kind of crazy. Two, two crazy stories about this. I sat on my couch for so long that I ended up with this thing called lock shoulder. Do you know anything about this, Kaya? <laughs> no, I have no idea. Okay. But- <laughs> so so follow, follow me on this. So, okay. you know, like when you sit in a, when you sit in a position for too long and like 
you know, I don't know, like your muscles get tight or whatever. Yeah. I don't know how to describe it, but you Maybe know, like I have locked shoulder. I went to the mas- get a massage this morning because I had a, a migraine. She was like, your shoulders are all really tight. <laughs> yeah. So anyways, but it's like when you're, so it's like when you're on the ground and you know, you get up and like something's not working for a minute, you know? Mm. Well, I had sat on my couch with my laptop in my lap for so long with my shoulder up on the, on the armrest to the point that like literally for like six weeks, we're literally my shoulder. I couldn't move it anymore. I literally couldn't move my shoulder. So I thought it was like dislocated or something like that. Just weirdness. We figured, finally figured out what it is. You just basically just keep working on it and, you know, lift lifting cans of beans all the time and stuff like that to make it better. But anyways, yeah. so I, I literally sat there for six weeks and studied and did all the stuff. And then I was time to take a test and trying to find testing centers that were open for me to pass my series 65. So I would, I'd be scheduled at a local one and they would, they'd call me and say, no, we're going to be closed for, for COVID for a little longer. So then I would look at Albuquerque and Denver and all these different places that I could drive to. And then finally, like out of nowhere, one day on like a Monday, I get this note that they decided that testing centers needed to be essential businesses. And if it was a financial test or a food service test and a few other ones that they would be open for like just a couple days to get the backlog done. And so I literally like got in my car, like on Tuesday, the next day and drove all the way to Albuquerque, got there, took the test, got back in my car and drove all the way back, like with peanut butter and jellies in the back kind of deal. Cause this was like early in the pandemic when like, Oh yeah. Nobody you knew didn't bring car. a bag to pee in though. Um, no, but I did, I just didn't pee. I don't think, oh, I guess I peed at the the testing center. So yeah, I got like a a midday pee in, but, um, (laughs) drove down past everything and came back. And so then, uh, then contacted, uh, Steve, who who was my advisor that was going to bring me on and just basically told him like, Hey, I got everything done. And he was like, Whoa, you know, he's thinking he had all of 2020, um, but then we were, they were gone. And so I got basically everything set up by June and I've been, you know, investment advisor representative since. So. Wow. That's pretty cool. I remember you kept going, I'm trying to take the test. I'm trying to figure it out. So tell me what is your title then? So I am an investment advisor representative and the company I work for is uh, Dynamic Wealth Advisors out of Arizona. And it's cool. It's a it's an all virtual company. We do business in Colorado as Oxford Financial Planners, like in Durango, our office of three guys. That's what we go mm-hmm. underneath. Mm-hmm. But um, that was a former company that eventually merged with Dynamic Wealth Advisors. So okay. Okay. Yeah, I work with them. But it's cool. It's all virtual company. So like everybody works from their house. So like when all this was happening, it was like regular all day, which was cool to see the perspective when we were trying to figure out like Zoom calls and stuff for Allison's business in terms of consultations, it was cool to be able to see what, you know, dynamic had been doing and how do they have it set up so that we could kind of just mimic some of it. Because they'd already been doing it. That was the only way unless they were, you know, someone local in your town then. Right. Yeah. 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 We do so much, we do so much via um, conference, you know, online conference calls and stuff like that. So it was pretty cool. Made me feel more comfortable for sure when moving our consultations and our, from our studio to it for sure. Yeah. So are you still working in the studio some? Yeah, I am. And I, and like, and I think in a healthy amount, like, like this week, Allison and I, she wants to get together and, and talk about like our, our senior rep program and stuff like that. So I'll just take a day and go do that. Um, you know, I work, I work way more in, on the, um, on the, 
investment investment side than I do on the studio side, which I didn't, I thought it would be more like 50, 50 and it's been a lot busier on the investment side, but, um, but it's good. I, it's a good, it's a good balance and I can kind of give and take, you know, cause they're both my, my own businesses. So I can kind of build my own schedule, but so I'm in the studio. I don't know. I'm in the studio, maybe, maybe like 10, 15 hours a, a week now versus like 40 to 60, you know? So yeah. Yeah. And Allison likes you better when she doesn't see you as often, huh? <laughs> yeah. No, it's good. It's good. Um, you know, it's like one of those, the heart grows fonder thing is totally true. Yeah. And so she, um, it's good. I mean, I think there's, I think there's going to be some downsides to it, you know, like when we're not, there's not as many eyeballs on everything. Some stuff may slip through the cracks and stuff, but overall it's good. And we have such, we have such good employees that it's just like, I have complete faith that everything's going to get taken care of. So, yeah. Yeah, for sure. So you were a math, uh, math teacher. So math education is what you did in college, right? Right. Right. And then did you ever have this as something like as a, an idea in your mind that you would want to do financial advising? Yeah. So it's interesting. Like I've always wanted to do this. Like I tell the story about when I was 16, um, there was a new part of town being built in, in Denver and they had built a giant fidelity building, you know, like fidelity investments. And I remember like driving by the parking lot just to kind of see it. Cause it was, it was a really pretty building in, in the quiet corner of my eye, I see this giant now hiring sign. And there was a, there was a store called just for feet. It was like a shoe store. And I actually, that was like my very first job. I only worked there for like three weeks cause it was a miserable place to work. But, um, the reason I got my first job when I was like 16 is cause I was like, I in the, the, uh, fidelity building, um, in Denver, which is, which is really interesting. So it's something I've always wanted to do. And then as I was doing my math degree and then teaching and stuff, I always gravitated back towards, um, this type of math, you know, way less calculus and more like everyday, you know, math investments, financial literacy type stuff. And is that something that you spent, you know, you spent a lot of time on with your business and with your own life already, you know, like planning your investing and that type of thing? Yeah. And so this is kind of how I think, see, see it as like the evolution, like in terms of the photography industry, as well as like in our own business, like at first I, I kind of was trying to help the photography industry, like with marketing and stuff like that. Cause I thought I had some really good ideas and, and people liked them and it worked for a lot of people. And the idea was just to make more money, but then that wasn't really like the complete solution. So then you and I spent a lot of like last year talking about or I guess in 2019 talking about like profit first and that's the whole concept of like keeping more money, you know, making money and then just keeping more of it to be able to serve your life differently than just spending it on more stuff. Um, But then there's kind of like the last aspect and this is kind of what I'm moving into is like once you've made money and then you save money, then like, how do you have, how do you have it work for you? You know, so it's not just sitting in a bank and losing value to inflation, you know, like how, how do you actually, you know, get a return on it so that you can go do cool stuff or eventually you can retire. Cause one of the things in our industry, that's tough for me to like figure out how to navigate is like a lot of these studios are not going to be able to sell their business at the end, like a restaurant would be able to, because somebody will just open a, open up next door and just start over. And so you got to save as much money as you can while the times are good. So when you're done, you can just walk away from it because no one, chances are you're not going to, somebody's not going to write you a check for it. There's a few studios out there that probably can get, 
can get find a buyer, but the majority of us are just going to have to close our doors um, and take the money that we made. So, yeah, yeah, that's a really interesting point. I didn't think about that, but uh, so your end goal is to help people then. Yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah. and that's what it's always been. Like, just, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm a teacher at heart. And so I always just want to help people and teach people and give them a different perspective. Um, and this is really fun because this is like a, ta- this is like a tangible product that I can help them with, you know, like opening yes. a retirement account for them and like help, help them fund it and figure out, you know, what money they should spin off from their business into it so that, you know, it serves them down the road. So, and so, so it's pretty cool because it's helping people and it's very tangible. Yeah. So you'll be able to, if someone hears this podcast and thinks, oh, I've, you know, I know Matt, I trust Matt since I've been listening and I would love to work with him. You'll be able to actually work with people. You're, yeah, you're, absolutely. Okay. And so they would just contact me and, you know, we would talk about what their goals are and what they got going on and stuff like that. And we'd make a plan and, you know, decide what, how, you know, what kind of accounts they should have opening and opened and, you know, how they should invest and stuff like that based on their goals and what they have going on in their life. So it's, so it's hard. Like, you know, one of the things, you know, you're not going to hear me give specific advice on this podcast because everybody's situation is so unique that, you know, it takes a bunch of conversations to figure it out, you know, because some people have kids and some people just want to have a second home and, you know, the the goals are all over the place, but you know, once we know what those are, then we can really kind of start driving to them. Yeah. So how do you know what investments are best for people? Um, so we kind of look at it different ways. Like we look at your goals, but then it's really like where you're trying to get is one thing. Here's a, here's an interesting comment that I learned early in this whole process is that like, Kaya, if you were my client currently, like you're not actually my, my client, like my client is actually like Kaya in 20 years from now. Does that make oh, sense? Okay. Uh-huh. I'm always advocating for Kaya in 20 years, not for current. Kaya. That doesn't oh, I see help. what you're saying. Yes. Yeah, so you're going to look at my life question, 20 years from now. Yes. Yeah. When you ask me a question, I'm going to be like, okay, how is this going to serve her 20 years from now? Mm-hmm. Which may not be the answer that you necessarily, you know, want to hear right now, but it's like, well, you know, this is what's best long-term for you. So, um, so I'm always thinking about people in that, in that way, you know, obviously we have to live in the day to day, but we're all, I'm always looking to the future, um, and looking at their goals for the future. Like, you know, what do you, what do you want to do with this money? And then the other thing we do is we um, do, you know, risk tolerance questionnaires and mm-hmm. financial plans and stuff like mm-hmm. that. So that um, we know exactly what your risk is, what risk you want to take on. Yeah. So that we can, um, we can grow your assets, you know, according to your lifestyle, you know, cause if you take on too much risk, then you'll be up at night or you'll want to like, constantly sell out of those, those, you know, stocks, yes. bonds, whatever. Yeah. But if you're not, if you don't take on enough risk, then you won't get the returns to achieve your goals. So that's something we spend a lot of time and energy is trying to figure that out so that we can find that balance of, of really good returns with the right amount of risk so that you can sleep at night. And then yeah. once we kind of find that, then we, you know, it's just kind of funding the accounts and, and just, trying to reach out the goals for sure. Yeah. And that's the beauty of, you know, you talked about earlier about profit first, you know, we've even talked way back about, you know, Dave Ramsey's plans. And, you know, I've found that when I put that all that in place, I had the money there t- for my investing. So, you know, kind of going back, but so what kind of accounts should photographers be looking at? Well, 
So again, it's it's a very it's very specific to people, but I can I can kind of group them in some different yeah. groups, and then you know if people want to know, we can actually talk about what, what the pros and cons of each one of these. But you know, some people are just some photographers are just going to have like individual retirement accounts, you know, which would be like a, a individual retirement account, like an IRA or, or a Roth IRA, and that's on the personal side. It has nothing to do with your photography business. That's just you funding a retirement account. Um, you know, and then in putting money into it and then withdrawing it when you, when, when you retire. Yeah. The other, the other thing you could do is you could just open a brokerage account, which is basically just a savings account. It has nothing to do with your retirement age. And you, um, we invest out of those brokerage accounts and then the money's available whenever you want, whenever you want it. So like maybe you start spinning money off and you, and you start building up that account and you're like, okay, when it gets to this point, then I'm going to actually buy the camera. So not only are you contributing money to it, but then it's hopefully growing a little bit. And then you can use that money to buy your next piece of equipment or whatever. Um, so that, but that's all on the personal side. Um, so that may be the best fit. Um, you can also have accounts uh, tied, you know, retirement accounts tied to your, to your business as well. And so there's a couple of them, you know, like, there's one that's called a SEP. There's another one called an individual or solo 401k. And then there's simple um, individual retirement plans that the company can hold. And what's nice about those is that they're going to be, you know, they're going to help reduce, you know, your income in the business, you know, and I don't want to get into yeah. too many specifics. Yeah. I'm not a tax guy, but um, it's going to help you with some some write-offs, but the contributions are higher too. Like in an IRA, currently most people can only contribute $6,000 a year, but in these business plans, you can contribute a lot more a year, which is really nice. Well, so. and you know, I offer that with my business and I I've, I love doing it because a lot of times the people that work for me are, um, you know, men or women, but a lot of times they're women and they haven't, you know, they don't have a way to uh, save for retirement. haven't thought about it. And I love just setting up the people that work for me for success in the future for their 20 year down the road person too. Sure. So, so I love being able to do that. Yeah. Cause this, there's a lot of people that just won't do it on their own. And, and I was the prime example. I, I'm at 16 years old and looking at a fidelity building, knowing I want to do some kind of invest investing and then going to college and learning about the earlier you invest, the better. And we can talk about that mm-hmm, as mm-hmm. well. Um, and then still not doing a very good job of investing until, you know, I was like in my late twenties, you know what I mean? So I still mm-hmm. missed the boat because if yeah. I would have invested in my early twenties, it would have made a huge difference in my financial world. So it is crazy. You know, the difference. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and, I, and, I, sure. and I knew this and I wanted to do this and then didn't accomplish it. So you think about, somebody that just has, is indifferent about all of it. They're really not going to do it if their employer doesn't do it for them. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, it's just hard to do because the younger you are, the more upside down you are, the more you owe for different things. And so the older you get, the more extra money you typically have. Not always, I know, but, uh, but yeah, the younger, the better. We actually, uh, my mother-in-law gave my uh, daughter and niece when they were 21 money to put in an IRA when they were 21. So that, nice. that, that, I mean, you just put that little amount in, it'll grow <laughs> to so much. Yeah. Let me, let me put the, let me, I have a calculator up here real quick. I'll just throw in some numbers. Okay. So say like, let's say you put in, we'll just say $5,000. Let's just say a thousand just for okay. fun. 
Okay, a thousand dollars, and you're twenty years old. Yeah. And you put it in. You're not going to take it out until you're sixty-seven. Uh, sixty-seven. And let's just say you get a six percent rate of return at retirement would be sixteen thousand six hundred and fifty-eight dollars. Okay. You know, if but they if just you put if in hundred dollars a month. <laughs> what's that? But if you put in a hundred dollars a month from that point. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, this is just the original thousand. Like, you know, yeah. if you just took like stimulus checks or something like that, you know? Um, but if you, so we're at 16,000, a little more than 16,000. If you just wait and you waited till 30 to put that thousand dollars in again, wait from 30 to 67 at 6%. It's only, it's not even $10,000. It's, it's like yeah. barely over $9,000. Yeah. So just by, by that compounding that extra 10 times, you're, you know, you're making a, a lot more money. So, yeah. So because you've been in the photography industry and you're really connected to it, what specific advice would you give to photographers? Um, this kind of goes back to like the whole profit first thing and stuff like that, that like you have to, you really need to save early and often, you know, we just covered why you need to save early because the sooner you can get that money in an account compounding, the more money it's going to be for retirement. And even if it's just a little bit of money, like, I mean, if it was like, if you could find a hundred dollars, that would be, that would be good. You we'll know, do that. put that in that a hundred dollars a month. Okay. Added to that one we just did. So you're saying invest a thousand dollars and then do a hundred dollars a month. Yeah. In addition. Mm-hmm. Okay. So 30 year old puts a thousand dollars in and then they put, they put a hundred dollars a month every month at 6%. They'd have $172,000 at retirement. Yeah. That's so that's just a hundred dollars a month. Yeah. You know? So, um, so it's so important to do that. So save as, as early as you can and as often as you can. And then, and then on top, let's see, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to organize this in my head. So you're going to you're going to save early, but then also have like a systematic way of doing it. Mm -hmm. So this is where the profit first thing comes in. You know, if you, if you set up you know, what the profit first book tells you and you took some of that profit and you invested some of it, you know, even if you just started with like spinning off 1% of the money you make into profit, and then you invested part of that, it would make a huge difference in your retirement. So if you can systematically save that, I think that's, that's the, that's the advice I would definitely give people. It doesn't, you know, don't worry about what investments to put it in and stuff like that until you cross the road, just find a systematic way to save a hundred dollars or a month or $200 a month or whatever it is. So what mistakes do you see photographers making besides not saving? Um, I mean, that that's the big one. But the other one is just like spending money on wants instead of needs, you know? So yeah. they're, you know, they, I don't, I don't know how to, I mean, the equipment one is easy, right? Like they're going out and buying that extra lens. And sometimes you need that lens because it's exactly what you want to do. And it keeps you inspired, but sometimes they're just buying another lens to buy another lens. Or, um, I don't know, they're instead of buying a, a hundred dollar bag, they're buying a $200 bag to carry their equipment. And I don't know, it's just, they're always being marketed to. And so they're always spending money on gear or things that they want, but they don't necessarily need. And one of the things I see people early, in early in their career doing is they they're spending money to justify that they've made it, you know, even though their mm -hmm. photography may be amazing and you know, what they got going on is, is really strong and they're going to, they have staying power. They'll, they'll just buy crazy expensive equipment just to justify that they're a pro. 
And if they could just not buy the really high end equipment and, and invest that money, they would be so much better off at retirement. And well, so, I don't. yeah. And you said what the, what you said earlier too is a mistake is not having a plan, you know, and just mm-hmm. trying to, you know, whatever you have extra. And I've found that I just, I have a system where it comes out monthly And so I don't really feel it or notice it. And I did for some reason not make that happen like two or three years ago. And at the end of the year, I didn't have the money to put in that I had planned to put in, you know, so just having it leave and not even realizing it was going was really helpful for me. Yeah. When people say money burns like a hole in your pocket, like it's a real thing. Like if you don't intentionally save it, it'll just get spent on all kinds of stuff. And you don't, at the end of the year, you're like, I don't quite know where all that went, but, um, yeah. And then if you, if it's just not there, then you just make different decisions. And, and it's not like you go without, it's like, you know, when you go to sink, instead of staying, instead of staying in a room by yourself, you get a, you get one of those suites with a roommate and it's just cheaper. So you just make decisions like that. And you still go, you still go to the conference. You still do have fun and everything. It's just the room costs you a little bit less because you didn't have the money sitting there to burn. So. Yeah. So what would you say the big difference between the investment financial industry and photography is? Uh, it's got to be compliance. And so everything we do in terms of marketing and, you know, putting information out has to be, has to be ran through and approved by compliance people so that it's like truthful and honest and we're not promising certain returns and we're not, you know, giving advice that doesn't actually match somebody's individual plans and goals. Um, so it's really heavy, heavily regulated which is really interesting where in like the photography industry, it's almost like the opposite of that. It's like not regulated at all. Like, you know, <laughs> you, you know, you know, it's like, <laughs> if I, if I, it's amazing how many photographers, you know, you go to a conference and you, how many photographers all have two and $3,000 average sales. And you know, the majority of them don't, you know, but they, they go around and say that. And like in our industry, I mean, we would never be able to say, you know, things that are not true about our business. So, um, so it's just way more regulated, way more compliance driven. Um, marketing isn't something you just like, you just make up overnight and send out. It's something that you think about, you send it to compliance. They, they give you feedback on it on to make sure that it's being received the correct way and stuff like that. And then you send it out. So I don't know, it's a much slower industry as well because of that, you know? Yeah, that makes sense. So, uh, now that you're doing the investment and working mm-hmm. both in the photography industry, but also in the investing side, what's your ultimate goal or big hope for your photographer friends? Yeah. So one of the things I'm going to do um, is I'm going to put, I'm hoping to kind of be the the retirement voice and the investment voice for the photography industry, you know, like, like Rachel Branke's the, the lawyer voice. Um I kind of want to be the resource for everybody for that so that they have somebody to go to and ask these questions of. So I'm going to build, I'm building currently a, um, you know, a general uh, retirement investing class for photographers. And um, so that's the kind of the, one of the things I'm doing. And then um, really just give, you know, make it easy for people to set up these accounts and stuff like that. So they don't have to go find a stranger and things like that. I also want to go to conferences and talk about this and keep this on the top of people's minds so that when they go to conferences and they hear, you know, there's a new camera out, they also hear my voice saying like, Hey, maybe you should, you know, save some of this money at this point. But the ultimate goal 
honestly, is for everybody, for everybody I know in the industry and everybody I care about in the industry to retire, like really healthily, really healthy in terms of financial financially so that basically we can just spend our retirement years like vacationing all together, you know, like we can go to Florida and we don't necessarily have to go to a conference. We can just like all go to Florida and like hang out and have a good time. So, cause I don't want anybody to work into their, like their eighties or nineties. And yeah, all of know. us fly fishing together. Yeah. Fly fishing together, you know, hanging out at a resort, things like that. You know, those, those are my goals too. So, yeah. cause you know, I don't know. It's just so fun to hang out with these people. And I know, you know, none of, not all of us are going to be in the industry forever. So I, I want to be able to still hang out with these people. And I don't want people to be in a situation where they feel like they got to keep working. So, yeah. Yeah. So true. Well, Matt, this is awesome. I'm excited about what you're doing and I think it's going to make a good connection for the podcast from nothing to profit. And so I uh, can't wait to hear more. Yeah, for sure. And like, I'll let everybody know when I get my uh, class built and approved and stuff like that. And I'll, I'll get out there. It'll just be a free class to help people understand how to navigate some of this stuff. So, but yeah, I'm super excited. I love every minute of it. You know, I wake up every day excited. It's, it's super cool. So I'm yeah. super pumped. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you for being on and everyone. We will be back soon with another episode on what uh, Matt and I are doing with our goals in our photography business for 2021. So because I'm looking forward to like you always have a word of the year and stuff. I'm looking forward to hearing what your word is and stuff like that as well. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Thank you for listening to From Nothing to Profit, a photographer's podcast with Matt and Kaya. Be sure to subscribe for more business strategy and ideas to help you create the profitable and successful business you've always wanted. See you on the next episode of From Nothing to Profit. These materials have been distributed for informational purposes only. All investments carry certain risk and there's no assurance that an investment will provide positive performance over any period of time. They are not intended to constitute legal, tax, security, or investment advice or a recommended course of action for any given situation. The projections discussed regarding the likelihood of various investment outcomes are hypothetical in nature, do not reflect actual investment results, and are not guaranteed guarantees of future results. Matt Hoagland is an investment advisor representative with Dynamic Wealth Advisors doing business as Oxford Financial Planners. All investment advisory services are offered through Dynamic Wealth Advisors.